Electronic Specifier. This episode is presented by the Passion for Technology podcast by EBV Electronic. Hello and welcome back to Electronic Specify Insights. Today we are joined by Elizabeth Donnelly, Chief Executive Officer at the Women's Engineering Society, or WES for short. So hi Elizabeth and thank you for joining us. How are you today? Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Lovely, thank you. Okay, so let's start with an introduction of yourself and your background, please. So I've been working with computers since I was a teenager and my dad first brought home a ZX80 computer, but I didn't really get much of a look in because I've got three brothers and they were always dominating, but I managed somehow to be determined enough to get my own computer and I was working with computers and the internet very early on in the 90s. And in 96, I was asked to install web browsers and an email in a company that didn't have an IT department. And uh, my stepdaughter, who's now 29, who must have been three at the time, said, you mean the computer didn't come with it already installed? I said, no. And not only that, I had to teach people what email was and how to use it. And from there, I then went to um, a pharmaceutical company who wanted somebody to talk to the technical department about the business requirements and be able to translate the technical requirements back to the business development team. And I was able to do that because I could speak tech to tech and business to business. And it's always been one of my talents is that ability to switch roles. From there, I went into a pharmaceutical development software development company. Uh, and then I went to Capita, where I installed large-scale revenue databases for local authorities, which at the time meant traveling around the country a lot, which is partly why I quit, because I was driving more than I was installing software. But it was at that point that if you were paying a council tax by a direct debit, we would collect the money into a general fund. It would then allocate it to your own fund to say you'd paid and then go into the, um, the coffers of, of the council. So that was really exciting. I really enjoyed that. And then I took some time out. I was working in politics. I was trying to be a European parliamentary MP. And in the middle of that, I was also studying web development. So I'd done a degree in law, but had failed it by 3% and then failed it by 4% when I retook it. Don't worry, the legal profession is quite relieved. I never went into the law. Um, but I did study web development and databases, which I've been working on, and managed to get first-class honours as a result. And I was also working with the trade unions and in politics. And so somebody at Rolls-Royce from the trade union said, would I come and work for them, uh, lobbying government on behalf of the trade union? So I did that, and that got me into aerospace. I I have to confess that when they said, will you come and work for Rolls-Royce? I said, yeah, but I don't know anything about cars. And they said, that's all right, we don't make them. Um, And that's how I got introduced to aerospace engineering, which I absolutely loved and discovered I really had a a penchant for understanding things. So one of the things about the fan blades, these are the blades at the front of an engine that you can see when you see an aircraft. The Rolls-Royce ones have a teeny tiny flick on them. And that's been designed by computer-aided design. You couldn't design it just with paper and pencil. And then they've been able to feed that design into the processing so that the blade comes out with this curve and makes it much more efficient. So things like that that I really loved. And then uh, I ended up working for the Aerospace Defence and Security Trade Organisation and they run the Farnborough Air Show. And after they made me redundant in 2013, I ran my own business, helping change management at charities and universities. So when the role came up for... uh, the Chief Executive Officer of the Women's Engineering Society, to my mind, it was absolutely the perfect job for me because it combined my three great loves, 
women because I've represented women all of my career and I'm a massive feminist, engineering, which I love, and the society, the charitableness that I'd worked with. And so I've brought my commercial sense and my sense of working with charities to it. So absolutely love my job. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you. Could you also sort of introduce us to the Women's Engineering Society, please? Yeah, so the Women's Engineering Society was founded in 1919 from the National Council of Women, which in itself came from the suffragette movement. And we reflect that in our colours, which have never changed, green, white and violet, which stand for Give Women Votes. We're very proud of our history as part of the first wave of feminism. And we were formed because uh, the government at the time spent the equivalent of £1.8 billion on training women to use munitions. And then at the exact same time that women were being allowed to be lawyers and civil servants and judges, and Nancy Astor was the first woman to take her seat as a member of parliament, we were told that engineering and factory work was not for women because the trade unions wanted the men's jobs back. And this was quite ironic because a lot of the jobs hadn't existed before the war. So women were forced out of factories. And the uh, seven brilliant women who were part of the suffragette movement said, well, this is outrageous. And they formed the Women's Engineering Society. And so one of our founders, Lady Catherine Parsons, uh, said uh, words to the effect that it was a joke that we'd been making the weapons of war, but were no longer allowed to, not permitted to make the weapons of the munitions of peace. And so this is partly why we were founded. And we continue to represent women and to fight great injustice. So the independent, uh, the International Labour Organization were saying that women couldn't work at night. And one of our famous uh, members, Beatrice Schilling, was caught working at at night at a company run by Margaret Partridge, another one of our founders. And so where's campaign to stop that that barrier to women and uh, Beatrice Schilling was also well known in that she was the woman who invented what was called the RAE restrictor which uh, was affectionately known as Miss Tilly's orifice uh, which was basically a, a thimble that was squashed down to a washer that was fitted into the Spitfires and Hurricanes so that they could go after the fuel injected Messerschmitts Messerschmitts would go into a dive and then our fighters couldn't follow them because the carburettors would flood and so Beatrice Schilling uh, created this thing and then fitted it, which helped us win World War II. Hundreds of examples of women like that as well. And then, you know, we had Daphne Jackson, who was a real passionate campaigner for women to return. And she said, you know, imagine a world where Marie Curie was told she had to stack shelves in a supermarket just because she had children. Uh, and her legacy is the Daphne Jackson Foundation, which helps women academics to return to work after a career break. And even in recent times, we've got Karen Holford, who's created a musculoskeletal synthetic skeleton. And she was commemorated on a stamp celebrating British engineering a couple of years ago. And and these are really, really great things. So when I took over in 2018, and it was the year before our centenary, there was a lot of pressure from some of our members to just to celebrate our history. And I said, well, really, when you think about the origins of WES, what they wanted was for women to become engineers. They just happened to make fantastic history on the way. So we insisted on having Transform the Future as our theme that year, because what we wanted to do was to um, allow more young women to become engineers and they'll make their own history as they go. What a fascinating history. Thank you very much. So sort of following on from that, as you say, it's, it's common knowledge that women are often underrepresented in engineering. Recent research from Engineering UK has shown that just 16.5% of those working in engineering are female. 
So why do you think that female engineers are still notably outnumbered by their male counterparts in the UK? Well, I think there's a number of factors. Largely, we don't see engineering on the television in fiction. We might see it um, in a documentary about inside the factory and uh, learning about machinery, which is fantastic. But when you see a drama, you know, the split I've been watching is really fantastic. And okay, it's about some lawyers, but it's like everyone's a lawyer. You could have one of the characters married to an engineer. You, You could always have Gina Davis in America says this about Hollywood. You know, you've got all these bit part characters who are plumbers or photocopier fixers. What's wrong with them being women? You know, it doesn't matter whether they're women or men. And if you had women showing up, people might see more often that women are there. We don't teach engineering as a subject in school. We used to teach design and technology as part of the national curriculum. But in the last 10 years, even that has stopped. So you're not getting people think, or girls in particular. And then girls who are good at maths and physics who might be interested in engineering really have to fight to get those subjects. So they might be told, well, if you're going to do three sciences and maths at A level, you can be a doctor or a biochemist or a teacher. If you're going to study maths, you can do maths teaching, uh, whereas actually a lot of IT and computing depends on really sophisticated mathematics. And it doesn't help that last week somebody said, oh, the headmistress of a girl's school said only 16% of girls were studying physics because they didn't like hard maths. Well, for some of us, maths isn't that hard. And also, um, I think the reason we're not studying it is because we're not encouraged into it. You know, and for girls to say, actually, I do want to become an engineer, the teachers and parents are encouraging them to go into medicine or teaching. So I think that's largely it. And then when you do become an engineer, assuming you manage to get through your engineering degree, so assuming you manage to study the right subjects at A-level and do an engineering degree and then get into engineering, it can be difficult. We know of women apprentices who show up on their first day and all the boys are saying, what are you doing here? Rather than saying, hello, my name's Phil, what's yours? And what, how, you know, how can we work together? And actually, girls do do a lot better than boys, so maybe they're intimidated. But I think um, that engineering is always seen as dirty and heavy and, and physical and always being dressed in PPE, whereas the majority of women engineers we know work at desks and computers in much the same way as a lot of other people do. So we just think there's a, a big culture change required. Uh, and some, some of it's going to have to be that engineers are going to have to accept that they need to be more welcoming to women as well. Mm, fantastic. So what do you think role models can do to inspire future generations, sort of particularly in terms of making the industry more inclusive? Well, I think role models are really key because if girls can't see an engineer, then they don't know that they can be. We have um, a Lottie doll and she's a, a nine-year-old girl. She has flat feet, so she's not like a Barbie with breasts and high heels. And we do a tour every year so that in November and tomorrow is Engineers Week, you see Lottie um, investigating lots of engineering. And we hope that that will inspire parents and girls to consider engineering as a career because we want to make it normal. We've got some fantastic women who are currently helping to run WES. We have Mam Tassingal, who has uh, worked on Barbie and other dolls, and she now works for Diageo. And you wouldn't think that maybe a, a high quality drinks manufacturer would need engineers. But as she explained to me, you need to know how many twists there are going to be in the cap of drinks in case there's fizz in them, because it might explode. And we've got Dawn Childs, who's our current president, who is the first woman to become deputy chief engineer in the Royal Air Force, and the first woman to run an airport when she ran the engineering at Gatwick. 
and she's gone on to do major things as well. So I think these women are really important to demonstrate to other women and girls that you can have a really exciting career uh, and also to see women who look like them. Manta's heritage is from India and Dawn is um, from Britain. And it's just really important to see everyone reflected in that. Hmm. Are there stereotypically masculine aspects of engineering that you find would perhaps put off would-be female engineers who may perhaps prefer stereotypically feminine aspects of the industry? Or do you find that there isn't gender-specific areas at all and that career decision-making in engineering is simply down to individual difference? Well, I think it's I think engineering is stereotyped as masculine because it's seen as heavy and dirty and that women wouldn't want to be part of that. But I always ask the question, do you think men really want to be involved in heavy and dirty things? A lot of it's because girls have way more choice than they, you know, they don't have to do engineering. They could go and do medicine or they could go into marketing or recruitment. Whereas I think a lot of the time boys are actually more deliberately funneled into engineering. So much as girls aren't, boys are. And I think that's difficult. And I also think that we need more diversity of people in engineering because then you get diversity of thought. Remember, we did we ran a, an exercise with some female apprentices, which involved changing the wheels on a truck. And we were shown some video of some boys doing it. And there was literally one boy who lifted up the whole truck with one hand and started to work on the wheel, which meant, of course, nobody else in his team could work on anything. But he was still quicker, which was incredibly infuriating. But women just don't have that strength. And so because we bring women into the workplace, they, they have to design things in a way that means they don't need strength. I mean, guess what? Men benefit from that as well, because if you're taking four hours and four men to lift a machine in order to make a change on it, then that's going to have a, a pay a toll on their bodies. Whereas if you can create lifting apparatus, you can do it much more quickly and men will benefit. OK, so following on from that, celebrating its ninth year in 2022, International Women in Engineering Day takes place on the 23rd of June. Could you tell us about this year's theme, Inventors and Innovators, and the role it plays in encouraging young women and girls to take up engineering careers? Yeah, we always have two themes. One is for the top 50 women in engineering, which is the inventors and innovators. So we want to find the top 50 women inventors and innovators. And the other one is leading on from that, which we have a theme for the whole year, which is Imagine the Future. And we chose inventors and innovators as a direct result of last year's theme of engineering heroes, where we celebrated a lot of women who had worked through the pandemic and in other disaster situations to bring uh, new products to market very quickly. And the ingenuity and innovation that led from that, we said, well, we've got to celebrate that, which is why we chose inventors and, and innovators. But more importantly, imagine the future is a great hashtag and a great theme because we can imagine a future where engineering has helped climate combat climate change. We can imagine a future where more women are engineers. We can imagine a future where the engineering industry is much more welcoming. And so it's all about raising awareness of women engineers across the world and encouraging engineering companies and others to embrace women as part of the engineering workforce. The, uh, the Top 50 Women in Engineering Awards is an event linked to International Women in Engineering Day and founded by WES in 2016. So could you tell us a bit more about this awards event as well as any parts that you find particularly important? Yeah, so it was founded in 2016 to find the top 50 women in engineering in the UK. And the following year, they decided to have a theme of 
the top 50 women under 35 to really showcase these younger women. And then they had returners and transferers. And this was for women who'd left engineering for caring or other career breaks or had decided to come into engineering later in life. And then when I was appointed, we decided to look at apprentices, both current and former. And again, this is about inspiring young women. And one of our board members, Dr. Catherine Critchley, is a former apprentice. So when she was awarded her trophy and I said, Dr. Catherine Critchley, there was an audible gasp from the younger apprentices because I think they, they have this feeling that they can't achieve much if they started out as an apprentice. And to know that she'd got a PhD and was very senior in her job was fantastic. We then progressed to sustainability because we think climate change is very important and we know that there's a lot of work being done particularly by women in trying to bring down the temperatures or at least stop them increasing so much. And from there we had the pandemic so we did engineering heroes and now we're inventors and innovators and essentially we didn't want to have a, a set of awards where we were having this is the top 50 women generally this year and next year because what happens is it invites comparison so whoever was in there one year isn't in there another year well that's a terrible thing or they've gone up a place or down a place and we just felt that wasn't helpful and also we didn't want to keep celebrating the same 50 or so women so we've now been able to celebrate 350 women who are all amazing and in fact one of the criteria now is that if you've already won a wee 50 award you're not eligible we might change that after about 10 years just to see some of them but it's about showcasing these fantastic women who, who've made great achievements. And although I appreciate this podcast goes out in June and the, the people will be known, while we're recording today, literally we're doing the final judging this afternoon. And I'm so excited because I've seen all these wonderful women and I'm just really excited to see who the winners are going to be. Fantastic. So am I. I understand that Wes is also involved in a programme called STEM Returners, and this helps employers access the best available talent whilst improving the level of diversity and inclusion in hiring decisions. So could you explain how STEM Returners works and the value it can bring to businesses? Yes. So STEM Returners started about four or five years ago and is essentially a programme where STEM Returners, the company run by a fantastic woman called Natalie Desti, go into a company and produce a three month to six month programme that's only open to women and and men actually who've had a career break. And so they go onto this scheme where they learn more about the company, they refresh their engineering skills and about 96% of people who go onto that scheme end up being employed by the company. So it's incredibly successful. And because the companies are open to um, having these women have talent come back and men as well, what they've got is um, older people coming in at a really crucial point, but they've also got this experience and they just need a bit of a refresher. And we provide all the mentoring for the members of the STEM Returners scheme. We just think it's really brilliant because the companies are benefiting. You know, we've got lots of long-standing companies who've done more than one program. And we would, I would really encourage any company that's interested in getting talent to investigate STEM Returners because I know it's really hard to recruit engineers, women or men. And so you're getting these people who've you know, they're not fresh out of university. They know what hard work is. They know they have to get up and be present. And they just need a little bit of a refresher, which this program helps them to get. Mm, fantastic. Are there any particular projects or parts of the Women's Engineering Society that you're proud of? I'm proud of it all, really, because, you know, we're a very small team. We've got eight people now, which is the most number we've ever employed. And we're doing really, really well. But 
We have our annual conference, which was held in late April, uh, which we had a number of fantastic speakers, all women, all brilliant, including Catherine Bennett, who runs the high value manufacturing catapult. Uh, and she used to be the lead for Airbus in the UK. And we learned about inclusion, which is uh, about giving people a sense of belonging and not just having somebody speak or participate because of the colour of their skin or their disability. It's about making people feel very welcome. And we learned about electrical vehicles from Ford and the process of water saving as well. I mean, it was just really a whole range of topics um, on Imagine the Future and all about innovation and invention. We have Lottie Tool, which we have run in November. The secret behind Lottie is that we start taking pictures of Lottie engineering firms between now and October, and then all the pictures are released in the week of Tomorrow's Engineers so that young people can see what she does. We have um, a student conference, which we're hoping to hold in person at the end of this year, and the Caroline Hazard Lecture, which is where a prominent woman in engineering gives a lecture to the engineering industry. And it also includes a lecture from the Karen Burt Memorial winner, who is the best newly chartered female engineer. And so again, we, you know, we have all of these professional engineering institutions who charter engineers, and we say, pick the best of your female winners female chartered engineers and we will give them a £1,000 prize and a free lecture. Uh, so I get really excited about that. We also have a mentoring programme called Mentorset, which is a cost of £120 for non-members or £48 for WES members. And uh, that's where you can be matched with somebody, a woman or a man, someone in industry um, who's probably not part of your usual company or sector and will give you great advice. And we, it's a 12-month programme on a, on a on a platform and you can either choose your match yourself or we can automatically match you to somebody. It's just a number of our initiatives. Mm, fantastic, thank you. So okay, before we finish, what would be your advice for women and young girls considering a career in engineering? Oh, I would say definitely go for it. Um, engineering is about team building, uh, collaboration and creativity. There's engineering for everyone. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm an artist, I'm really good at art, but that's got nothing to do with engineering. Well, there's a role for you as well, because we need people who can do product design. I mean, architecture, which I think is one of the most beautiful artistic features that we've ever achieved, is all about how to hold the weight of stone or the weight of buildings up and not have them collapse. Um, if you're interested in music, there are music engineers. If you're interested in fashion, there are fashion engineers. One of our winners from the top 50 women in engineering 2021, Caitlin McCall, um, helped create the Thunderbolt dress, which is a dress that has um, RFID chips in it so that as people clapped, literally the dress fired Thunderbolts through it. So it looked like the, the model was walking through a lightning storm. Uh, so, I, I mean, the world's your oyster, really. Depending on what you want, you can do anything. And if you think, well, engineering's, I know, boring or dirty or heavy, well, engineering's different every single day. And you only have to look around you at things like your sofa, uh, your desk. If even the calendar I have on my desk, which is just a page a day tear off, there's got to be some kind of glue that holds that together, but that doesn't make it difficult to tear off. So there's engineering in absolutely everything. And I, I just encourage you all to go for it. Excellent. Now, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? Just to say that I think your podcast is fantastic and amazing. And I really think that it's great that you reach out in this way to the world. And um, congratulations on all of your achievements and, and projects that you do. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paige.
This episode was presented by the Passion for Technology podcast. Subscribe now and dive deep into the world of semiconductors. Electronic specifier.